Right, tonight, um, like I said, we're actually going to talk about healing, but then we're going to lay hands on people like we are going to minister to one another. Because this whole purpose of these nights is to equip the body, is to be the body of Christ, yeah? So we're not here just to hear, we're here to be activated, to be released, and then to participate in this thing called the Kingdom of God. And uh, as we've looked at, and, and healings are very much part of God's Kingdom. They bring glory to His name. That's the point of the miracles, is to bring glory to the Father and lead us to the Father, that we would become uh, His and become all that He would have us to be. Uh, which is ultimately a bride, and that we would be ready for our wedding day. And um, if I'm being honest, I know that's still a revelation that many in the body of Christ still need to get hold of. And I don't mean in their head, I mean in their heart, in a way that completely captivates you to lay all things aside and enter into the fullness of allowing him to make you ready. Um, Paul was captivated by it. He said, this mystery is great. And he spoke of it because he could see it. And like we heard this morning, his message is the same thing. Really, every letter is writing about the same thing. And as he opens our eyes and you start seeing this, you realize it's a very simple gospel. The context for the gospel is relationship. So God uses all these aspects of himself to bring us to the main point, which is a relationship with him. And out of that flows function, just like in our natural relationships. And so we have the natural as a foreshadow of the real. And so it'd be a sad relationship, it'd be a sad marriage if that couple only existed for function. And some do because they lose their love. They leave their love and they go looking for love in other places, don't they? And that's the thing that ends up in divorce. And so God gives us these physical pictures to show us the purpose of what this entire message is about. And then he engages with us to get our attention through these things called healings. We're going to look at an incredible one in Acts. And so part and parcel of being this bride and becoming this bride is that we would flow in the power of the gospel. But it's not just for the purpose of healing people. You raise someone from the dead, great. They're going to die again. So it can't be about raising people from the dead as a final destination. Everything God has us do is a means towards an end. Think about it. You're going to spend your entire eternity with him. But how close do you want to be to him? And the Bible gives us these indicators to the truth of how close do you want to be. What room do you want to be in? Because he's preparing rooms. So what room are you going to be in? Hope so, eh? The wedding chamber. Most intimate room. So everything he's doing is pointing to a greater reality. It's never just the reality, but as great as the reality is. And come with me to Acts 3. And this got mentioned this morning. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to go to the panel for a question. And we've got Cena tonight, first time on the panel, which is awesome. Noel's second time. And so I'm being Sam tonight. Sam's in Christchurch with Tess. It's uh, her dad's 60th birthday party, which is cool. And so um, healing the lame beggar, Acts 3 verse 1. I'll read this fairly quickly. 
Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the temple gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety, which means righteousness, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. That's a bit of a rebuke, eh? <laughs> but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man, whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Alrighty. So, my awesome panel. First question for us. What are some of the key observations that we have observed through the passage there from verse 1 to 16? Starting with you. <laughs> um, um, for me, the, the first thing that popped up to me is that the part of the verse that talks about that this particular person was um, crippled from his mother's womb. You know, what Greg said just now during prayer that Mel's message this morning about the man with the withered hand was not just about the, this historical person with the withered hand. It was about the church. And, and so this man who is um, crippled from his mother's womb, there's something special about that. You know? It is not um, that the cripple, him being a cripple was because of something that he did. Because if it's something that man did, then the natural thought would be it can also be undid, undone, right? But this is something that is brought into effect um, because of something that he, he hasn't done. And so therefore it's something that's beyond the person, beyond the ability of the person to bring it back. Um, there's something about 
being crippled from birth or being blind from birth, that um, people of us who can walk and who can see um, may not really that appreciate because because we can see and we can walk, we can say, you know, what a tremendous loss it is for that person uh, who has not, who couldn't see, because we had that experience of seeing. But if a, someone is born without sight, um, that person would not miss seeing, because he has no reference for it. He has no, you know, experiential point of reference of what it means to see. And someone like us who can see would talk a person of color and, and shapes and textures. That's nothing to them because they can't see and they have no, um, no reference for it and therefore they won't, they won't want it. They, they, they don't have, they don't miss it particularly in that sense. And that's how probably explains why the person did when they came. And so when we look at that and it just made us realize that we are born, born blind. We're born to, what God is doing. We were born from our mother's womb. We were born deaf to the voice of God. We were born um, mute, unable to speak the word of God. We were born lame, unable to do the works of Him. And we are even born dead until He comes, until that latter day. So I, I stop. <laughs> That's awesome. It's good. Sandra, thoughts? Or do you want to add anything? Um, I was thinking exactly the same sort of thing, actually. Um, that it's, it's this two kingdoms, and one is in the same old, same old, same old, same old, all his life. Says in Acts 40, he was over 40 years old. So... He was stuck, completely stuck. And to me, it's, it's two kingdoms being um, clearly displayed here. And the, although this man is physically lame, how many of us are stuck in the same old, same old, same old? trying to survive, living with our lameness. And, and there's an arresting that happens because we weren't designed to live in the stuck, in the lame. We were designed for freedom. We were designed for oneness with with the Lord and ag again like Noel said there wasn't a reference point but but there is a sense of being stuck and and that there is there's no other option you know that um, is here so he's he's being carried along he's dependent and and there's an arresting that's going to happen I think it's, you know, the, the sad thing is, I think, is when someone gets physically healed but still lives in that mode of being, you know. And, and so there's always this dual thing going on. Whenever you look at the scriptures, there's, there's always two things happening. There's always the inner realm and the outer realm. 
And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I picked up on right at the start is they were going to the temple, uh, the hour of prayer. So they weren't going there to heal anybody. They weren't, healing wasn't sort of in their psyche. They were just going to pray. Um, and so often, you know, I think we have to be aware of this reality is that so often it's like it'll come across your path when you're doing something else rather than, right, we're going to have a meeting for prayer, and God will say that, and that's cool and all those things, but um, it's interesting how they weren't. They were going to pray, but they were aware of a reality that presented itself, and then they had to step into that reality that presented itself because they could have stepped away from it. And I wonder how many times I've done that, or we do that, when there's reality happening right in front of you, but, you know, I'm a bit busy because I needed to get somewhere. And God's using that where you're going to get your attention to step aside for a minute and step into to be part of something that he's already wanting to do and waiting for a, a vehicle called you and I to be obedient to what he wants to do. Sina, what are you getting? Um, probably what there was two things that stuck out at me. It was... Um, there was a lot of healing in Acts and who wrote Acts. Um, and the, we, the reason why I was asking these questions is if you've been walking alongside me, then you'll know that I've only been in, in all my Christian walk, I've only been in the Old Testament. So when Greg texted, I was excited because I was like, oh, he's making me read out of the New Testament. But um, it, a lot... Um, Try to say is because in even in the Old Testament, there was hardly you'd be less than 20 healings at all. That were a lot of them were done by God and a few men. Which, but in I find that in Acts, there was this authority that these men were walking in that I was really blown away by. Um, and another thing, too, is that um, even the Levitical priesthood did not heal people. And that is huge to me, especially with the Holy Spirit. Um, but um, yeah, and I obviously I not, I saw that Luke, the physician, was the writer of um, Acts. So yeah, irony with the Lord. Yeah, so yeah, that's those are the two things that I really noticed. Yeah, guys, what, why why are these guys so confident? There's there's a confidence about them. Um, this guy is expecting to get something different to what he got. But why are they so confident? That's to the panel. <laughs> Newbie. I see their confidence as, um, as I read through Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and dwelling in them they what's the word they they were operating out of this knowing who they are in him um the confidence wasn't within themselves the confidence was within him and that's what they were operating out of yeah i love the fact that that was the note one of the notable things that um completely confounded everybody <laughs> you know that these these guys were uneducated and yet they had this amazing confidence you know 
And um, I just think that the the power of God is so beyond man that it displays itself. And it displays itself not as a um, sort of a amped up, um, yeah, 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 go Jesus. It's it's just like comes out in any in any particular situation, um, whether they're so called prepared for it. They're 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 in a state of preparedness because the Holy Spirit's always prepared, you know. And um, yeah, I just I just love the fact that that. Um, that he was asking for something and got something else. And again, that can be a parallel for us, can't it? You know, we're asking God for something. And I can't remember who it's, who said this quite recently. We might actually be, it might be that God is not going to answer that particular prayer because he has a greater thing, Steve. Yeah. Um, that he's wanting to bring us into. And I mean, okay. Well, they could have given a few coins, but what actually would that have done? You know, and this is the reality that that God wants to arrest us and become our source, not to dish out a little bit that's going to cover over the pain for a little while. He actually wants to to come in and and rip that thing out of us and give us a new a new source. You know, um, I I was. Particularly, it's a bit further down in, in verse 16, I was really struck by the words perfect health. And I thought, perfect health? There's something about perfect health, you know, and there sure is. Um, it's of an unimpaired condition of the body in which all its members are healthy and fit for use. <laughs> so I don't see this as just health in the body in a physical body, that this is the 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 same the same um, root word is the one that's being used in James. You know, let let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There's there's a perfection and a completeness about God's work in us that um, is about making us ready you know so it all comes back to that same same thing about being made ready and the other thing that um he just drew me into was um Isaiah 1 and it it's talking about about not knowing the source and so Jesus again it's this conflict of the two kingdoms so while he's outside the temple, he doesn't know the source, and the the people that he Jesus is going to be interacting aren't they're not connecting to to the Lord. So um, Isaiah one it says, um, "Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me." An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. So even a donkey knows where to get the food. But my people do not understand, and they're weighed down with iniquity, and it's talking about this fallen state, and they've turned away from him, and the whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint, 
from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. And that's the state of us without the Lord's intervention, you know? And when we're sourcing from us, from self, from flesh, from the world, you know? Question, what role does expectation play in physical healing? What role does... This man was expectant. So there was an expectancy in his heart for something. So what role does do we think... Does, does it have a role at all? Do we think being expectant plays a role in receiving? I think being expectant plays a, a very important role. Um... Uh, the man, uh, for us to get something, we have to really desire or want something. Um, and, and I think this man has that expectation. But unfortunately, God is always in the, in the process of um, giving us what is beyond our expectation. So the, the man was born um, crippled and so sort of like, he he like just like all of us we are able to make do with what we were given and so he 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 made advantage not took advantage but he he knows that uh, he needs money and so he he looks he asks money from people and people give money to him and so that's as far he was expectant but that was what he was um expectant for but so when he saw peter and paul he was sort of expecting them to support him in his current state. So in his current situation. And that is not normally how God works. God is not just in the process of meeting the basic needs. Just what we heard this morning. He is in the process of turning everything upside down. And so because God, this person doesn't have a, a reference point. He can see people walking. But because he hasn't had that experience of walking himself, that's not something that he really desires. But because God needs, you know, who knows that this is what he wants, or what he really needs, and so that's what God gives him. You've got to set your aim higher, eh? So what then would be, what's your guys' understanding or your thoughts around um, the main purpose of why God moves in signs and wonders? What would be the end point if there was an end point to why he would raise people, heal people, change people? I think it's a, a witness and a testimony to the reality of God and the reality of this kingdom that is greater than than what can be seen, what can be understood by men. And it can't, it's, it's a... It's something that arrests attention and um, the the purpose of it is that people would turn to the giver of the gift of this miracle and actually be restored into oneness. So they are now seeking him and they, they are now um, following what the Lord is saying and you know, coming coming to know the one who's been sent by the Father, you know. So so he's the Father is and it, it says this in in um 
Acts 4, when they go back and they've been held, um, you know, jailed, and and then they're responding to the the Pharisees, and and it's it's incredible. And then they go back to the brethren, and they they speak out this prophetic word, um, and they they said now. Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you, Father, extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Cool. I was just thinking, just with Sandra, and as much as I hate to use this word, but it also almost... These two words verify and authenticate um, who he is, because especially he, they, verse thirteen, um, John and Peter had to say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Like he really had to make it known to them which God that it is. So um, yeah, has glorified his servant Jesus. <laughs> In the same verse, you know, the one whom you delivered, and I love the way they 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 name him as the Prince of Life, you know, and and here it is, this, these two kingdoms clashing and and being displayed. You actually asked for a murderer and killed the the Prince of Life. So the the reality of this prince of life who has been raised to life has now manifested the power of that. His name has now done this work. So it's actually validifying and and verifying the fact, like you say, that Jesus has raised been raised from the dead and he is the Son of God. I'll just read you what Matthew 11 says, and I've always found this fascinating. It says, The unrepenting cities. Matthew 11:20. Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. And when you track it down, it says, yeah, Woe to you, Cherizon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. The very next part is come to me. And that's where you see come to me and I'll give you rest. So as great as they are and we need to flow in these miracles and there are authentic signs and wonders for the church to operate in, they are to point us to him for us to discover who we really are and his purposes. It would be so sad to operate in signs and wonders and completely miss the will of God for your life because that's as far as you took it because you got caught up and made signs and wonders an end rather than a means to something far greater. And that's what we tend to do, you know. But there is an authentic expression that God wants to see come through the body 
but we don't over elevate them and that's a real art because while we're growing and maturing we can and that's what almost happens a little bit in acts when the men come and they want to esteem them and they are very quick to align them and say why are you looking at us this is not us and this is the challenge in the body of Christ is because you're operating in power and wow look what I did and it can start with look what God did through me to look what I now do and all of a sudden we're starting to steer off and we've left our first love the church of Ephesus Revelation 3 so I love them they are signs they glorify the father but they actually are to bring you to the father so the Father can then actually start to reveal his entire purpose and plan for the creation of why he gave the church. And then we flow from that perspective, which is an inside-out transforming perspective, becoming this bride who then operates in signs and wonders. The greatest miracle is to love like God. Why do you think it says... Prophecy will fall away. This will fall away. This will fall away. This will fall away, but love never will. And so there's a reordering that needs to take place so we, as his people, get to this first place priority of his heart. But the challenges, and like we see throughout the scriptures, our flesh is attracted to power. Simon was attracted to power. And he wanted to take the power for his own glory and build his own thing. And so there never should be an end in which we make these things an end. They are just a means and we should never over-focus on them. I never see Jesus setting up camp or making more of a miracle than what it was. He keeps pointing people back to the Father because that's what the miracle does, even though we are to move in signs and wonders. Um, but we, this is why we must know him. That's why the relationship is so important so we don't step outside of. Because like we've talked about, the gift is irrevocable, the power is on, and we can use his name and get to the end of our lives and go, who are you? And that's not to be us, is it? So the question I have, because what does it mean? They, they, they operate in his name. So they say this, but Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have. I don't have this, what I have is this. And because I have this, I give it to you. So once again, there's a reference for reality that these two guys have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. What does that mean? In the name. Thoughts, guys? What's discovered in the name? Well, I do know that it's not a name that's separated from the person. And I, th and I think that 
that's a very Western thing, that we just, oh, that's somebody's name, but it's not. It's their whole character. It's their, it means who they are. So in the name is not just God out there I know. You, you see this when, when um, is it the sons of Sceva, where we're um, casting out demons in in the name of Jesus, and the demons replied and said, "Jesus, we know, and Paul, we've heard of, but who the hang are you?" You know, and and it was all on, um, and they got you know completely wiped out. So it's not about using somebody's name, and I think in um, modern Christianity, we're very flippant with the name of Jesus, you know, and we think if we tag the name of Jesus on the end of a prayer, he's obliged to, you know, like it's some kind of formulaic thing, and it's not that. It's the the, the substance of Christ, that um, they're speaking from the substance of Christ that has completely transformed them. They They... When you think of how many, it was only a matter of months beforehand that Peter denied Christ. <laughs> he's he's living in a a complete freedom from the fact that he completely stuffed up. You know, um, this this is this is the power of a transformed life of. And he knows the one who's done the transforming, and he knows the power of his presence within him by the Spirit, and it's it's that that he is now he is now speaking what he's hearing, because he's not independent from the Spirit; he's one. I was just looking at that um, Peter, and I was thinking, man. He's he's telling the truth. He does not possess earthly temporal life to offer um, the beggar. What he does possess is this kingdom reality and the spiritual life to him. That's what he possesses, not perishable foods, but, yeah, the bread of life. Um, when, when Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, because I think he did one for the man who was lame, and then the one with the withered hand. And the 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 the, 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 the Pharisees were quite confused. Because why are you violating the Sabbath? And Jesus said, "It is not that uh, the Father continues to do miracles on the Sabbath. <laughs> and because the Father loves me, the Father shows me what um, He is doing. And so because of that, He is able to do the work that the Father has already done." In the Father's name, and so when when the disciples are filled with the Spirit, therefore they are able to know when the f- there is a presence of God to heal. They are pre- able to know the heart of God and what God is planning to do in a certain situation. That's where the confidence comes from. And 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 so when when they talk about being in the name of Jesus, it's not just the name, as what Greg says. It's knowing the fact that Jesus is going to act. And it is him that's acting, and so they're just merely acting in that in the behalf of Jesus. And you can't call on and and, and say in the name of Jesus if you don't know him. <laughs> you see, um, you, I can't go out as and, and no and 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 go and and buy stuff for New Zealand Defence Force 
in the name of New Zealand's Defence Force because I don't work for New Zealand's Defence Force. You know, and neither and, and and you cannot go out and do stuff in the name of the Rock because you you're not part of the Rock, and so unless you have what is or you're given or you're graced to, you can't do. So they can't give what they you can't they, you don't you can't give what you don't have. And it's in him that enables you to access things. So not just healings, but the entire thing. And um, I wrote down ages ago the name of Jesus. And this is this Acts three six says it. Acts three sixteen, four seven, four ten, four twelve, four seventeen, eighteen twenty nine. Acts five verse forty one. 914 to 28 and 15 and 195 I think he's trying to make a point then it says this and on the basis of faith in his name it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know and the faith which comes through him Christ has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all and this is why, once again, this relationship, this knowledge of knowing him, not just verbal words in Jesus' name, but the knowledge which has authority. So when you speak the name of, you're speaking from that place of authority because you're a son with authority, one called to minister as the son. And so what you're releasing is the authority of heaven. When you bind and loosen in the knowledge of God. So you, that's why the knowledge of God is vital. Because as Sandra said, you can just throw out a name. But that realm doesn't respond because there's no authority on it. It knows the power of the name. It knows the power of Christ. So then we must, if we're going to operate in that dimension, and if we're going to access that reality, because it comes through the true knowledge of God, the name. And you see it uh, you know, in John 15, where he says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So once again, it's not just throwing a name out there. Now the beautiful thing about a Heavenly Father is he will operate with or without us at times, won't he? Hence, the pressure's not all on us. But there is a responsibility on us to get to know him so then we operate in alignment with him and together with him because we're his co-heir. So like in any marriage covenant, my human marriage covenant, Danielle and I have equal authority over our children. And so we're to be one voice. So it's not like I've got the voice that the kids listen to and they don't listen to mum or the other way around. We are both to carry the same level of authority. So we are his co-heir. So yes, God can do what God does because he's God, but that's no excuse to not operate in authority and power because you're in love with him and want to see his will established upon the earth. And so there's a responsibility on every follower to come to know him and then to flow in absolute alignment with him, with his power, with his anointing, to see his work established on the earth. Um, 
And so with that in mind, we're going to stop and we're going to pray for one another. So we might as well just do it in groups at tables. So why don't we step out and prepare to have our withered hand healed (laughs) and be vulnerable and say, let's minister to each other. Let's give this a go in his name. And so maybe just start in prayer as a group. Just start asking him to speak and then just allow the Holy Spirit to move and then maybe someone at the table lead and say, well, is there anyone here that needs any sort of healing? And then lay hands on people at the table. Remember, it's in his name. It's not on us to heal. It's on his name. And let's just believe together and speak life. Any questions before we start? Cool. All right. Let's take the next sort of 25 minutes.